0: And I hope that when we walk away tonight, we'll understand uh, how grateful we need to be for the advantages we have as uh, not only God's people, uh, but as the things that He has loaded on us with the privileges we have of being in, uh, in this uh, blessed land of ours. Romans chapter number 3 tonight. Romans chapter number three and I, I told you we're going to be taking a look at our advantages advantageous our advantages advantageous most of us have probably known or uh, know even now some folk who were born with the proverbial spoon in their mouth silver spoon in their mouth you know um, they were, were born with maybe certain financial advantages that most of us weren't. Uh, Some of them are called trust fund babies, you know. They just collect the checks off of trust fund and they don't have to work a day in their lives. Um, Here's a question. Are are the advantages they are born with really advantageous to them? Well, they can be, depending on what they do with them. Sometimes, but not always. By advantageous, I mean are they beneficial, useful, or helpful to them? Are they really to their advantage... And are those advantages valuable or profitable to them? And here's the key. It depends on what they do with them. And the same thing in our life. Think about the advantages that we have. The things that we are blessed with that we really had no control over. We're born in this country of ours. Amen. Would you want to be born anywhere else? Think of the advantages we have of being an American citizen. What what a blessing! Think about I think about the advantages I I, I was blessed with being born into a family that loved God. That's an advantage. Uh, I was raised in church, raised with parents that uh, loved the Lord, and uh, saw that I was raised in a in a way that uh, would I would have the Lord. Uh, in the place of my life where he's at now. And I thank God for that. Now, there are many others who have been born in this country, not taking advantage of the advantages they have of being born in a free land. You think about, you know, there's a lot of places you, if you were born, you wouldn't have the ability to go to a church such as this, hear the gospel, or hear the Word of God preached, or to, to worship freely. That's an advantage, isn't it? It just really is. Well, is that, are those advantages that we have, are they advantageous? Well, a lot of folks don't take advantage of it, do they? They don't come. They don't show up in the house of God. They're not there to take advantage of what is there. And we've all seen how supposed advantages of some Hollywood elites and sports figures, maybe even some others in the world, wind up proving to be disadvantageous to them and, or even their offspring sometimes. It is usually has something to do with the wasting or abuse of their advantages. i give a few examples here. Um, I, uh, when, I, when we lived in Nashville area, uh, had the advantage of being able to, uh, I, I preached in the prisons, but I also I worked in the accounting industry, which is what I had studied, and uh, I, I was uh, worked in a the ninth largest CPA firm in the state of Tennessee, which we did a lot of the being in Nashville. We did a lot of the country music stars. Now uh, there were. A, A lot, I'm not going to name any names, but a lot of those that uh, have really blown through the money. I mean, they were getting down to the end of their career and they didn't have anything. And you looked at what they were making year by year and you say, man, well, how did they wind up with nothing? Uh, And it's because they, they, they wasted or abused their advantages. Some of them blew it on alcohol and drugs. Some of them blew it on gambling. Some of them blew it on wild living, Um, but those, those advantages that they had were not advantageous to them. Now, understand here in Romans 3, as Paul wrote the church at Rome, he was aware that there would be some objections to his message, and in anticipation to those objections, he was quick to point out that God is faithful regardless of the receptiveness of people to his love, his grace, and his mercy. And sadly, there are most always those who have arguments against the truth. There are folks who, uh, when it's presented to them, they object to the truth presented. But truth is truth. They say, well, I don't like that. Well, you can't change it. You you can disagree with it, but it's not going to change the truth. Truth is not affected or changed in any way, by anyone's arguments or objections to it because truth is absolute and we live in a time when people think what well, there's no such thing as absolute truth and can I tell you that's that's, that's a wrong idea because there is absolute truth and it is found in God's word it's found in his word for sure now agnostics would argue against the truth of God that can easily come become to known through God's revelation to us in his word I mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that you know God has revealed some things to us uh, I'm glad aren't you glad God chose to reveal himself to us you know he's given us his word and my the things that we know about God but an agnostic does what an agnostics do they they choose to believe that God cannot be known in spite of the fact that God has given us a book that we can know about him. You know? It, uh, they, they, they have the advantage of the same advantage that you and I have. They got uh, uh, access to uh, the Word of God. Yet, in spite of that, in spite of them having the advantage of God's completed Word accessible to them, they choose to believe that God cannot be known. Also, there are atheists Who continue to deny that God exists even though God has revealed himself. They continue to refuse the truth that can be clearly seen. So they are left without excuse. God's shown himself in his creation. He shows himself in man's conscience. He shows himself in the canon of scripture. And he showed himself through his son, only begotten son, Jesus Christ. God has done his part to reveal himself to mankind. But what has mankind done with what God has given? Have they, have they taken advantage of the advantages? They continue to refuse the truth that can clearly be seen. And when they do that, they are left without excuse. Now, we see in this passage that there were some of God's people, the Jews, who looked for some reason to object to God's truth. And furthermore, we can look at any survey that the Barna group uh, does a lot of Christian surveys or Christianity Today has, has given and we can see that even in their broad estimation, more than 50%, listen this, more than 50% of America's population is presently unchurched or otherwise resisting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's sad, isn't it? I mean, we used to be considered a Christian nation. Listen, if you're less than 50%, I don't know that you can claim that. You just really can't. Um, so as we look uh, at this passage in Romans 3, what does Paul say? Uh, have to say a, a, in response to our question are advantages advantageous? Well, first of all, we see in the first uh, three verses here, we see the unfaithfulness of God's privileged people. We're talking about the Jews. They were unfaithful to God. Look at verse 1. What advantage then hath Jew. Now we, we uh, uh, this is a continuing uh, argument from Romans chapter number 2. We saw the, the, the ten advantages the last two weeks that the Jew had over the Gentile, five dealing with what he was and five dealing with what he did. But, uh, and Paul knocked those things down and said, you know, those things are not really a uh, uh, help to you at all. And then so he, were, he was asking this question, what advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? We'll pause there. But let's think about it. Paul knew the Jews were not going to be silent and just accept his message to them without some adverse reaction or objection. Now we can go into the book of Acts and we can see Paul clearly going in to the Jew first. Every time he went into a town, he would go to the Jew first and pretty much he would get kicked out of the out of the synagogues <laughs> That's because he's preaching Jesus Christ and uh, the the Jews they didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. They were uh, by and large the ones who, who were uh, wanting to close their ears to, about the gospel. And so he, he posed some of the arguments to which he knew they would object to the truth just presented. Paul had just hit them hard with the truth in chapter 2. He started out tactfully, but then he turned blatantly blunt in his condemnation of their mindset. And the question in verse 1 could well arise among the Jews in Rome, uh, what advantage then hath the Jew? Uh, or what profit is there of circumcision, which is another, another uh, reference to being a Jew. They were the people of the circumcision. Are, are there any advantages, in other words, the Jew had over the Gentile? Are there any spiritual advantages? And Paul's answer there in verse 2 is, much every way, I mean, they've got advantages... Well, then what are some of those advantages? He says, it well, was chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. That is, they were the ones who were entrusted with God's law, the words of the prophets, the very words of God, including the message of salvation. You say, wait a minute, brother Jerry, message of salvation is New Testament. No, 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 no. The message of salvation began in the Old Testament. It was, it was uh, uh, maybe concealed, Maybe it wasn't really understood the way that it should have been, but it ought to be. They, Abraham was saved by grace through faith. He didn't have any problem understanding the salvation that was to come. And uh, we know that the Jews, they were guardians of all that God had revealed. In fact, when Stephen was addressing the council... Uh, also known as the Sanhedrin, that's not in the scripture, the, that, that, word, that word Sanhedrin, but they were the Jewish ruling body consisting of 70 prominent Pharisees. They were called the council. Uh, and in Acts seven thirty-eight, uh, Stephen said of Moses that, and i quote, he, that he received the lively oracles to give unto us. Remember Moses on Mount Sinai? He received, he received God's law. God gave him uh, the law, and he received that uh, to give to the Jewish people. But he went on to say, "To whom our fathers would not obey." Okay, uh, Stephen said that, and you know he got them riled up, and they wound up stoning him. Because he, he had some things to say to them as being Jews, that uh, uh, they had some advantages that, that were given to them and they refused the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was a Jew. <laughs> and, he, and he came to, to uh, the Gospelist to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And, uh, but they rejected the Gospel. But we see that they did not take advantage. Of those spiritual benefits, they're, they're, the truth of verse three a here, uh, the first part of verse three. What if some did not believe, and and there was were some that did not believe. Some responded with unbelief, and we need to look at the cause of the wilderness wanderings did you, to to see that what caused the wilderness wanderings that forty years. It was that word unbelief, wasn't it? They they chose not to believe God. God said, uh, "Listen, uh, all you got to do is move forward. I'm going to give you victory." And they chose. oh, there's giants in the land. We can't we can't do that. And so the word unbelief here means a a, a non acknowledgement of the truth. They didn't. They refused to acknowledge the truth that was given. What do, does this say to folks today who have not believed on Christ? And I want you to think about this. Uh, there's a lot of There are a lot of places in the world that have not heard the gospel of Christ. We're blessed. I mean, um, the gospel is abundant in our land. Um, But what what does this say to folks today who have not believed on Christ? Many of them might argue, well, I've not been advantaged to come up in the church. My parents didn't teach me. Well, that, that may be true. But doesn't keep the gospel from being abundant in our land, and keep somebody from being able to hear the gospel. Others may say, "Well, you know, it's not my time, or God hasn't revealed Himself to me, or I just don't believe." Listen, all of those things can be refuted. <laughs> uh, the, when, when is the time? Right now, Amen. Somebody, so I can't say, "Well, then, you know, it's just not my time to get saved." What today's the accepted time? Right now is. And uh, somebody said, God hasn't revealed himself to me. Uh, yeah, he has. It's in a book called the Bible, he's revealed himself in his, in his, uh, also in his creation, and also in the, our conscience, and also in Christ. Listen, uh, we, uh, we have had God reveal himself. It really boils down to, I just don't believe. And that's usually because folks fail to um, properly consider the truth. People fail to properly consider the truth. The truth is, we're all privileged here in America, more than most places in the world. And accordingly, all who have not responded to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love and grace of God in Him, uh, quite frankly, are without excuse. Without excuse. We could say that such folks are unfaithful to the advantages afforded to us in this country of ours. Amen? By living in this country, we've been, we've been given advantages that others may not have in other places in the world. But we're going to be held responsible. To whom much is given, much shall be required. And, and uh, I, I do believe there's responsibility there. So we see the unfaithfulness of God, God's privileged people, um, the unfaithfulness of God's privileged people. The second thing, we see the faithfulness of God's promised plan. We see the faithfulness of God's promised plan. Again, verse 3, what, what, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? <laughs> God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Uh, See, the second part of Paul's question here in verse 3 is basically this. Will will their lack of faith or unbelief nullify God's faithfulness? (laughs) And the answer in verse 4 is, God forbid, or certainly not, or someone has called this the indignant (laughs) negative. Uh, What? You know, it would be kind of like saying that you know uh are you are you crazy uh, the truth is some of the jews were not faithful to the revelation given to them think about how blessed they were to be the people that god gave the word to but yet they rejected they refused to believe however that doesn't mean that god will not be faithful to his promised plan just because they were unfaithful god's still going to carry out his promised plan yeah Paul's conclusion is that God must be true and faithful. In fact, he goes on to say, let God be true, but every man a liar. And then he supports his statement with a reference to David's great prayer of repentance that's found in Psalm 51, verse 4. In fact, if you've got a, a reference Bible there, there in verse number 4, where the, the section there that says, As it is written, uh, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings uh, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. If you look over in the center of reference for that uh, for verse 4, you will see the reference to Psalm 51, 4. And uh, let's turn to Psalm 51, 4. Turn to Psalm 51.4. This is where David confessed his sin with Bathsheba and acknowledged that God was justified in his judgment of David's sin. Um, Let's let's begin with verse number 1. And we'll get down to verse 4. Have mercy upon me, O God. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And here's, here's the quote that we find over a. And uh, over in Romans three and verse four, it said that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. If you got a center of reference, you'll see it. It, it references Romans three and verse number four. If you ever wonder what these center references are for, it, it's kind of put you in touch with related verses. Uh, so Psalm 51 here is where David confesses his sin. David's point is that God will be proven right. Whether David confessed his sin or not, was God he going to be proven right? He was, wasn't he? He, he? he was. When God speaks, it is always in truth and righteousness. God is always true to his word. and He is faithful to his righteous character. That's why the Apostle John would write in 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We look at David's life. We look at that sin that he had, and you know, just really kind of doesn't it kind of make you uh, kind of want to have a little bit of an attitude against David for just a little bit? You know, he, he had so many advantages in his life, and then he goes and messes up big time. I mean, he messed he messed up bad. Not only committed adultery, but he also murdered. Yeah, he had a man murdered, which is the same way as murdering you you have somebody killed. You might just as well pull the trigger yourself, or use the use the knife yourself if you had them killed. And and he he had Uriah the Hittite Bathsheba's husband uh, killed. And we look at that and we said, man, how could David fall so far, right? Fall so far so quick. And uh, the, the, the thing is, though, that he was forgiven. He was forgiven by the Lord because he recognized his sin. Now, it took him a little bit uh, and uh, he didn't have any rest whenever he didn't. He wasn't, uh, when he didn't confess and he was trying to Trying to put that off, um, he couldn't even get much sleep at night. But when he finally confessed, God was faithful and just to forgive his sins and to cleanse him from that unrighteousness. So, the question before us tonight is this What What is our response to God's grace and privileges in our life? Well, let's take a look at verses 5 through 8 here for a minute. Um, the Jews' response was to lodge more arguments based on the grace of God. Uh, there, there were certainly those who would lodge the argument of verse five, Look like at verse five. But if, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. What he's saying here is basically this: Well what if our doing wrong serves to show up more clearly God's doing right? Is it fair for, for him to punish us when our sins are helping him look good? Wait, what? You know, the, the, sometimes the arguments we make doesn't make sense. And he said the arguments, he knew how the Jewish mind worked and, and, and Paul is saying, well, you know, that's, you know, you ought not to think that way. But that's what people who have not taken advantage of, their, of the advantages they have been afforded talk like. Paul says again, God forbid, in verse 6, God forbid, uh, for then how shall God judge the world? Listen, God's going to judge the world. He is. You can count on it. And uh, you know, you got a choice. Are you going to be at the judgment seat of Christ with the believers? Or are you going to be at the great white throne of judgment with unbelievers? Well, the only way to, to miss out on the great white throne judgment is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. <laughs> you don't want to be before the great white throne judgment. Great white throne, everybody goes to the lake of fire. You know, uh, your, your works, are, they'll be brought there, but let me tell you, your works are going to witness against you. They just are. I, the only way to avoid judgment uh, is to have your judgment taken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, then verse 7, look at verse 7, is another argument in response to the grace of God. So forth, the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Um what this verse is saying is this: well, What if my untruth serves God's glory by making His truth stand out more clearly? If I lied and you know God's God's truth stands out more clearly against my lie, would I, why would I then be judged as a sinner? The logical conclusion to that would be uh, what some falsely accused Paul of saying there in verse number eight, and. And he says, and, and not rather as, as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. That Paul didn't preach that. Let us do evil that good may come. Paul says that whoever would say something like that deserves the judgment that comes to them. So my question to you this evening as we draw this thing to a close is what's your response to the advantages that you have been afforded? Okay? listen. We all have different advantages, different amounts of advantages, okay? Not everybody has the same advantages. Do you know that you're being here tonight and hearing this message is an advantage? That folks that are not here don't have the advantage. and They had the advantage to be able to come here, but you've heard the message. Every one of us have been, uh, though, and, and, and I speak... For myself, too. Every, every one of us has been unfaithful at some time or another as privileged people. We know we have. Uh, some here might right now even be living in unfaithfulness uh, of some of your privileges. Nevertheless, uh, God continues to be faithful to offer His promise of eternal life. You know, no matter what you've done, eternal life is yours, it's a gift. He will give you if you will repent of your sin and believe on Him. Uh, everyone who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done so, that's something you need to do. And, and God continues to offer His promise of forgiveness of sin to those who confess and forsake their sin. See, I don't know your heart tonight. I don't know where you're at in your relationship to God. Uh, that's between you and Him. But here's, here's what I know. I know that uh, if you are living in sin, God wants you to confess and forsake the sin and, uh, so He can take and cover your sins. Listen to Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. God continues to offer His promise of forgiveness of sin to those who confess and forsake their sin. So if you believed on Him for salvation, what are you doing with your privileged position in Christ? And, and I, I hope that you would walk away from here this evening and throughout this week, think about the privileges that you have that God has set before you. Okay? And whether you are taking advantage of those privileges are those advantages advantageous to you, or you have you lost the advantageous portion of that? It, it, it may be an advantage that c- could be yours, but you have you have spurned that because you've not taken advantage of God's advantages that He's put before you. Are you wasting the advantages that He has given you? Maybe you need to find a place of forgiveness tonight. Don't waste this opportunity that God has given you. Amen. Get things right with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for the truths of Scripture. Truths, Lord, that You have given to us. Truths that we are responsible for. And now, those of us that have heard the message, we are more responsible because we've heard and we got... We can either uh, hear and receive the message and do something with it. Or we can choose to say... "Mm, I'm not going to apply that in my life and not have the advantage of being here being advantageous to us. Lord, help us to make the right decisions. May we, as we go throughout this week and as we think about the advantages we have been given personally, um, think about how we're going to be giving an account one day uh, have we uh, have those advantages, have we allowed them to be advantageous in our lives? Have, they, have the things that you have put in our path, the things that you have brought our way, have we uh, sought your glory in our lives through those things? Lord, just have your way in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.